Welcome everybody to um, the Fund Services series. This is episode two from ARC PES, and we have Mike Trinkus and we have uh, Brian Botha uh, from Four Pines Fund Services and from, from ARC. And we're following up on episode one. Um, first, let's do intros. Mike, um, can you, I, think, I think a lot of people on this uh, call know who you are, but, uh, but uh, refresh us. Yeah, th thanks, Chris. Uh, first of all, I'm excited to be here and uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak with you and Brian. We're going to cover a bunch of topics today that we're very passionate about um, at Four Pines, and I'm pretty excited to uh, to have the conversation. Uh, I'm the CEO, one of the founders of Four Pines. Uh, I had a long career in the private equity space uh, prior to moving over into the fund admin world. Uh, I've built and, and sold one fund admin. I spent a little bit of time in, uh, in the larger admin market. So I think I have a pretty good idea of what folks are doing on the small end of the market, as well as the large end of the market. Um, that's very brief, uh, my background. And again, excited to be here and thanks for the opportunity. Excellent. Folks who are on episode one uh, or saw that recording, <laughs> frankly, again, I think a lot of folks on this call know who Brian is too. Brian, refresh us. Yeah. Um, hey, Chris, uh, just first, thank you for putting this webcast together. You know, it's great to be back uh, with you again, and I'm looking forward to this conversation with, with Mike as well. In terms of my career, started back uh, the audit track back at uh, PwC about 20 years ago as a CPA in New York. Uh, for most of my career, I've been focused in private, the private capital markets, and over the past 15 years, uh, I've been at kind of the intersection between technology and private equity. And in that time, I've worked closely with many of the largest fund administrators, advising them on how technology can be a vital tool, if done correctly, to achieve significant operational efficiencies. And, you know, as we've seen over the past decade, uh, particularly in terms of increased M&A happening in our space, scaling operations across different time zones and continents is almost unthinkable without a solid tech foundation. And uh, the good news is that there's a lot of great technology to choose from today. Uh, from investor portals to portfolio, portfolio management to partnership accounting, the the challenge is kind of knowing where the right uh, you know what the right decision criteria are to give that competitive advantage uh, for more than just the short term. And uh, you know one of the things I, I think in that criteria that we're going to be talking about today is co-sourcing, and that's a topic uh, obviously um, we'll get into a little bit further. I think we were talking about that on LinkedIn. Um... And, and we will get back to that because both of you uh, have have a have a history in pioneering um, co-sourcing. Uh, Mike, if I ask you to drill down a little bit further on your biography, so you 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 um, again, I don't think you're in the business of giving advice to to other leaders in fund administration, but you did found uh, Four Pines, I think, because you saw a gap in the market. Um, and I know you've written on this. Can you can you tell us more about what you think? broadly fund administrators should be doing today uh, that maybe they're not or not enough are. Yeah, ha happy to do that. And I, I would agree. I'm definitely not in the business of telling, you know, folks what to do or how to do, but I think there are definitely some, the, some overall themes that, that I can throw out there that'll resonate with, with everyone in the industry, whether you're on the large end or you're sort of a media, medium sized firm or a smaller firm. You know, I think at the end of the day, 
first and foremost, we all have to remember, I know this is a, a conversation about technology, how we use technology, um, the great things that technology can do to enhance our job. But first and foremost, we're in a service organization and we, we can't ever lose sight of that. And people matter and how we leverage technology to enhance a career, to enhance our relationships is, is, is critical to how we do business. But first and foremost, our greatest assets that we have in this industry are the people that execute on the day-to-day, -day, the month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter, et cetera. Um, you know, the second thing I would say is technologies, it, it's a pathway to offering a more comprehensive service model. And that's that's critical uh, for us because the way we see it, it all, again, gets back to people. And that comprehensive service model is allowed to flourish um, the way we want it to when you have the right technology pieces in place. So, you know, in terms of some of the gaps that we saw, what motivated us to, to launch Four Pines is that opportunity to create uh, and partner with folks on the technology side to help bring uh, a different different perspective of, of how to use technology in this in this space. Um, so that was really uh, import, important to us. And, and that plays into, as, as an industry, I think we need to, need to do a better job uh, of partnering in, in integrating technology into our day-to-day -day workflow. Because, you, you know, as, as the market moves forward, we're presented more and more challenges every single day, whether it's timing of requests that we have to turn around, whether it's the level of detail of requests that we need to um, uh, get to in order to keep our clients happy. It really is focused around this partnership, collaborative uh, approach between firms, uh, leveraging technology to accomplish uh, a lot of those higher end service uh, uh, aspirations that we have as, uh, as a firm. You know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the fourth thing I'll say, data, data, data. It's our job as a service provider to, prov to provide our clients with their data as quickly and efficiently as possible so that they can manage their business. Um, the right technology and partners in, in that particular sleeve of what we do is critical for our success and our client's success. So you're saying even though the headline is a um, sweet spot for technology, you start um, with the people. And, and what I feel like I hear you saying is that people, people, frankly, on this, on this call right now, <clears throat> there's a sort of top speed at which they can do the work they're being asked and the technology that, that is the, that is the sweet spot. Yeah, that that's exactly right. Uh, the technology is the, the enabler or the conduit of, of how we want to deliver our service model. Uh, mm -hmm. if we can use technology in a way that, that frees up our people, that that puts them in a position to partner and collaborate with our clients. That is a winning strategy in, in my mind. We're really focused on different technologies that allow us to do that. And then, perfect. So then that's very user-centric. Um, Brian, you've written about co-sourcing and, and like we said earlier, you and Mike uh, were in the early days about talking and thinking about co-sourcing. Isn't that supposed to solve some of these things that Mike was talking about? Like, how would you define co-sourcing? Maybe we start there. Yeah, let's start there. I think it's important to define these terms because um, co-sourcing is a trend that's definitely on the rise, but it's still emerging. So there's a lot of folks that don't, uh, you know, have a lot of familiarity with it. Co-sourcing uh, in broad terms just allows fund managers to benefit from the valuable services offered by fund administrators 
without losing control of their data. And that shift enables fund administrators to manage their clients' books and investor reporting directly on the client's tech stack. I think it may help to kind of take an example. So just a, an extreme example here, like if you were to decide to leave your current fund administrator, would you still continue to have access to the fund reporting, uh, you know, to the financial reporting tracking the performance of your funds? And so if you answer yes to that, then you likely have considered co-sourcing uh, so that your data doesn't end up in this in a system that you don't control. If the answer is no, then you know you 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 want to be you don't want to be in that unenviable position, and you may want to consider you know co-sourcing when you're shopping for a fund administrator or when you're shopping for your next technology vendor. Um, it applies equally to kind of technology vendors as well. Some that kind of support and some that don't. Um, but going back to kind of uh, what Mike said, and I've known Mike, you know, Mike, we've known each other for a while back in your uh, uh, Carta Fund Services days. And uh, Mike was very much a pioneer of co-sourcing. Um, you know, back in those days, it was practically kind of unheard of uh, to find a fund administrator that didn't really force you onto their systems. You know, most PE funds back then kind of did the fund accounting and investor reporting in-house, um, but with their own uh, back office staff, but where a, a fund manager was already kind of using their own system, Mike and his team would offer to maintain the books and records from the client's system rather than, um, you know, having, giving them no other option. And, and what this did is thereby, you know, giving the client the option to easily switch providers, you know, should uh, the service ever fall short and also lets them keep control of their data. Um, and so why does that really matter, right? Um, you know, speaking with a large GP just recently, who's using multiple fund administrators for their different funds, and each administrator advised this GP to go with a different investor portal technology. And so they took that advice and ended up with three different portals across their funds, right? Not, not the best experience for, um, you know, especially their most important LP investors who are invested across all their funds and now have to manage three different logins across those different portals. Um, you know, so the firm ended up transitioning to a technology supporting co-sourcing where they allow each of their fund administrators into the same technology that they manage. Um, and so they can all do their respective piece, but maintain one unified experience for their most important stakeholders, their investors. And I've seen a lot of other situations where because the GP decided to go from using a fund administrator to doing it in-house, you know, they were forced to abandon the investor portal completely and start from scratch because it was licensed by their, their funded men, not by the GP directly. And the technology just didn't support that transition. Um, you know, at ARC, just as an example, um, if a GP decides to move from one funded men to another funded men or decides to go back to doing it in-house, it's a simple flick of a switch, no downstream impact on their investors and no need to start over. And I think that's where things are moving. So I'm gonna pitch it back to Mike um and i know brian had a piece in the private fund cfo uh just recently on this but this sounds like a horrible idea because um i'm gonna let other fund services providers also serve the client and the, my fund service my, my my client could let go of me more easily 
Yeah, well, my, my view on this, I think, is different than a lot of folks in, in the industry. And, and as we all know, we're a collection of, of our lived experiences. And for me, my formative years in, in that regard were really in the PE space. Um, and from my perspective, we always try to look at it from that CFO chair. What would a CFO um, think of this idea? How would they evaluate it? What's the risk profile that they're looking at? For me, it was always a simple answer. Co-sourcing is the answer um, for most GPs. Not all GPs, it doesn't, it doesn't fit, but for a lot of GPs, co-sourcing is the right answer for them for a variety of reasons. Brian um, hit on a number of them. Uh, uh, you know, another one is, it's a great point that you you brought up, uh, Chris, but the reality is, if we as a fund administrator do our job the way we're supposed to, it's a non-issue altogether. So the way I see it is it really aligns our interests with our clients to perform, to deliver like we're supposed to. And because we're rowing in the, the same direction, it really does create a different relationship. Again, it goes back to partnership. It goes back to collaboration. And those are really key components I think into having a healthy relationship with, with your clients, um, it reduces risks. All, all CFOs, all COOs, they, they go into their day-to-day -day job looking at risk. Okay, what is my risk profile today? Where do I have risk? Where can I reduce risk? To me, when you look at, especially when you go back seven, eight, nine years ago, when we really started first doing this, the, the concept of outsourcing then isn't exactly where it is today. And while the same things, uh, uh, the same uh, uh, reasons apply today that they did, then there was there was there was let more uncertainty then. So if you can go into a system and you take a big risk, a mitigating risk factor off the table for a self-admin who wants to explore the fund admin market by saying, you know what, you've got your data. I'm not captive of your data. It's your data. Let me come into your uh, environment and, and I'll work the way we work. It takes a lot of that big unknown, that big risk off the table. And that was a big motivator for us early on. And we've just continued, in my opinion, to add reasons why this makes sense uh, You know, over the years. Is that why you started with um, talent and people? Is, is you want to allow the team that you have to really shine without being clouded by bureaucracy and technology to get things set up quickly or not? Well, I think I think it's why you can focus on people because you're taking some of those really uh, hard conversations off the table and allows you to focus on what we think is where, where the industry should really focus on again, which is the people. We can't do it without the technology, um, but when you have the right technology in place, the right strategy in place around how to use technology, it allows your people to shine through. And that's really uh, a, a primary goal uh, of every engagement that we have. So this sounds like um, Jeff Bezos and um, uh, anything that doesn't make your beer taste better um you know get get that into somebody else's hands so um going off uh, the pre-agreed uh, script which uh but brian like um if 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 i implement technology in many cases today um i mean i'm, I'm a pr marketing firm it takes a while and uh we're not so big that we need an implementation consultant but this is really complex work um and sometimes i you know i grousel that because it's like 
how incentivized are technology companies to bringing down these barriers to allow our talent to shine if I need to hire all this implementation help and, and, and professional services shows up as another revenue stream? It seems like a revenue stream that's contrary to my interests. How does our uh, approach that? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really valid point. I mean, I think, I think a lot of uh, technology firms uh, going back in time uh, used to also be professional services firms. And when, when you've got a, a revenue stream, when you've got a profit center of uh, implementation consultants that, uh, you know, your incentive, everything comes down to incentives. Like you said, you've got these, um, you know, how are you going to find ways to get the implementation done faster and enable your clients with the turnkey solution when you're, you know, you're, you're, you're making money from that. Uh, it's going to be challenging. Um, you know, I think a lot of firms have moved over to like a free support model, which I think makes absolute sense. Um, uh, but getting to a point where you're offering uh, free implementation and um, is, is, you know, it forces the, the technology vendor to think about how to make that fast and, and quick and enable your clients at, at, uh, at you know, uh, same day uh, or at least within a few weeks and not within months or, or years, like some implementations uh, can last. And I think that point kind of goes right back to Mike's earlier point about uh, putting uh, service professionals and putting the team first. If 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 you're a fund administrator or a a, a GP, um, and your team has to then take on the the task of going through an implementation on top of all the things that they're already doing, their their day job doesn't change. They, they it just doubles, right? They've got to become system implementation experts at the same time. That's a lot to ask um, in the current environment where we're we're having a war on talent. We're looking to um, attract and, and motivate and retain top talent. Um, and, um, you know, it's great that um, you definitely want to use the best technology that's out there. But um, I think there's there's a, a movement for with all the technology that's available, uh, the ones that are figuring out how to get uh, that client enabled more quickly design flexibility into the solution, make the, uh, the user experience as uh, well-matched to understanding what they go through every day. Uh, so it's, it's got to be built by folks that really understand the industry and have been in the industry. Um, I think those things uh, really uh, differentiate the solutions um, that are out there in terms of what, what really is going to work and, and, and move the needle. Yeah, and, and Chris, can I just jump in there quick? I, you know, I, I really want to underscore you know, those points that that Brian made, because it hits on things, not from he they're in the software business. I'm in the fund administration business that's really focused on technology. And from our perspective, that is really what he said is really critical, because when you look at the technology landscape that's out there, there isn't a firm that does everything, no matter what the marketing materials tell you, they just don't. And there are lots of good players in this space doing very specific things, but nobody, nobody does everything. So as a fund administrator, where we need a full technology stack, we need partners that allow us to, to really be agnostic um, to, to, to the different technologies that are out there from the standpoint of we need a solution for this. We need a solution for that. So to the extent that each one of these uh, solutions can plug and play very quickly, very efficiently into what we're doing, it's critical for us 
from a from the standpoint of managing our technology stack and 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 our business so it's really important that we don't have long implementations we could take uh control over what we're doing because that's that's one of the the biggest challenges in the space as a fund administrator is we oftentimes from a technology standpoint don't have the ability to influence influence the technology fixes the direction of where they're going, et cetera, et cetera. And when you see um, some of the folks um, uh, like like uh, our, in how they're solving and coming at the the problem in, in, in bringing that to the market, it's a really useful and effective tool from my perspective. Um, so it's a really important point when you think about it from a fund administrator's perspective and how we manage our business. Yeah, and, and just building on on that, Mike, for a second, like, uh, and and kind of tailing it back to the incentives. Another another key component is is the incentive around, um, you know, when when you're a software firm and a lot of software firms out there, um, they they create a great widget, but um, you look, we, we don't work in a cookie cutter industry. Every, every GP is a little bit different. And this is, uh, these are the private markets. There's not one way to report on something, um, or do something. Uh, so, you know, when you're asking for the ability to, uh, if it's an institutional LP that the GP is having to service or that, that, uh, you or any other fund administrator has to meet the need of it's, it's back to the technology. Like, can we, um, add this KPI, this key performance indicator, or this metric into what this LP wants to see. Can we re reformat the way that the information shows up in their quarterly reports? Um, and the incentives are for the technology vendor to say, whoa, 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 that's that's something outside of our, our widget. We're going to have to do something custom for you. And that's going to take six months, and that's going to take uh, additional fees. You know, and what I love about ARC and what I love about a lot of the technologies that are starting to emerge out there is that the flexibility is built into the product. So not only do you never have to run into that custom situation, but it's kind of woven into the fabric of the, of the solution itself, right? And yeah. you, you, you also um, can do it yourself, right? So even spinning up a, a, a new instance for one of your clients, you get to set the, the timing, you get to decide how uh, quickly you want to spin that up and, and you don't have to depend on the vendor to uh, get involved in that process. Yeah, and that's, and that's always a challenging point too because we're working with our clients that oftentimes, you know, deadlines change. They get moved up, they get moved around. So having that flexibility to spin something up quickly, to have, um, you know, control of your own destiny, so to speak, again, is really important in our relationships with uh, with with our clients, jumping in. Um, <laughs> um, it, so, folks in the audience, uh, we have a Q and A uh, feature. So, if anyone has um, cues that you would like to hear A's for, um, invite you to put that in. We're almost uh, at the end, and so I did want to come back to the headline. Um, of, of the conversation today that there's, there's been a lot of, from my perspective, uh, great counsel and points here. Um, <clears throat> if folks pick up their flags and head to the barricades after this, uh, and uh, what, what, should, what should folks in the fund administration business be asking 
um, of their technology vendors to to achieve what you've been describing? How, how is how how do you how do you get that? What are the questions you should be asking for? Yeah, I think we covered a lot of this stuff. Um, the other, there are a couple of points that we didn't talk about. I mean, like like you know, we're we're facing these economic headwinds at the moment, and so fees are always uh, top of mind. Um, and I think. Uh, there's lots of different fee models out there. Some of them can get quite complex. You've got like the number of users, you've got the number of entities or, uh, you know, the the amount of data. Um, and I think it's important to keep fees simple for clients, especially in the fund administration space and um, and predictable and, you know, state is so that folks can budget things. And, and it's not like, oh, wait, the, the implementation was twice as long and hard as we thought it would be or Oh, there's all these things that are not out of the box. Um, so, you know, us moving towards a free implementation, uh, you know, there's never any fees for support and, and, and it doesn't matter how many users or how many entities it's, it's a, it's a model that's um, predictable and, and budgetable, I think in the current economic environment is, uh, is a win for, for us, but there's the, the, you know, looking at things like how uh, long it takes to typically implement the product um, uh, whether it plugs and plays with the tech stack you're already using, whether the technology that you're thinking about moving forward with uh, meets you kind of as you are, rather than uh, forces you to unplug five things that are working pretty well for you um, to go with something that, uh, oh, we we have a CRM that does that as well. Get rid of your current CRM. No, if you've got one that works well, stick with it and uh, you know plug into the part that's uh, really gonna give you that edge and give you that competitive advantage. Um, without not continuing to use what works, right? Great. Um, Mike, did you want to add? Otherwise, I've got a question. Uh, no, I, I, I'll just add that I completely agree with Brian, and that's often many of the criteria that we're looking at when we look at new technologies. So we're, we're, we're in lockstep. Great. Um, along the lines of economic headwinds, that's a question from the audience. Um, how have you handled staffing concerns? Are you uh, dedicated to any particular strategy onshore, offshore, um, or delivery model? Is that is that for me? I think it, I think it should be for you. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm happy to take it. Yeah, we we're all onshore. Uh, we don't do anything offshore. Um, you know, from the headwinds of a staffing, uh, we we haven't uh, really run into them just yet. We've been able to uh, secure staff. I think when we have a conversation with with folks, whether they're inexperienced, uh, you know, middle of the road experience or senior folks, we kind of explain to them what we're doing and how we're doing things and where we want to get to. It's a pretty attractive uh option uh, for folks. So to date, we haven't had any issues. We're trying to be a bit creative, like a lot of folks are today with regard to where you're requiring people. While everybody is here in the US, we 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 are not in all we're not in all one one location. We've got folks in a few different states and a few different areas. Um, so we are building in that remote work structure that we've seen um, you know develop over the last couple of years and will continue to to look at that and and utilize that to to attract uh, talent, you know that that creates other challenges. But we're very mindful of that. Again, culture driven, people driven. There really 
attractive characteristics in terms of what people are looking for today. So today we haven't run into it, but we're smaller, so it's easier for us to manage. Uh, the bigger folks clearly have uh, a different challenge than we do today. Um, but for us right now, uh, we're, we're, we're in a good spot. We feel very fortunate. So Brian, maybe I can, can you speak from experience on the bigger folks out there that might have uh, members of their team on different islands or continents, or maybe you're looking at offshoring as a way of solving the problem that technology could as well. Yeah, I, th I think offshoring has been a big uh, part of the, the, the you know, the, as there's been a lot of M&A movement in our industry over the, over the last 10 years, and that's been accelerating, you've got a, a lot of large uh, global players that are just all, all over the place. And they've done that through acquisition or through uh, scaling their operations in multiple uh, cities around the world. And, um, you know, because taking advantage of the different, um, you know, uh, cost of doing business and cost of labor in different areas where there's a lot of expertise um, uh, makes a, a ton of sense. Of course, um, takes uh, it, 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 it has its downside as well, right? You've got to make sure that you're managing all of that. Um, and sometimes technology can really help with that. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Mike said it already, uh, you know, it, it comes down to that relationship and the service that you're able to offer. And a lot of that is the human touch um, and technology can help facilitate that and make things uh, more efficient, but it doesn't uh, take away from, you know, the, the end goal of just making sure you're, you're delivering on the service um, in a way that folks can really uh, feel and understand. Fantastic. Um, so we have hit the half hour. Thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us. Thank you, uh, Mike and Brian, very much.